Welcome to episode number seven of The Funding Coach. My name is Don Gooding, and I'm the founder of Four Colors of Money for Entrepreneurs, a blog, podcast, training videos, and other resources, all designed to help you figure out what's the right mix of bootstrapping, grants, loans, and equity, and especially figure out what you should be doing now to get the right color of money for you. Here on The Funding Coach, I help real businesses with real funding problems so that you can figure out how to start and grow your business. In this episode, I interview Chuck Donnelly, founder and CEO of Rockstep Solutions, Rockstep is a great example of a disruptive startup that landed technology development grants very early on from both federal and state sources. That's not the kind of seed funding you typically hear about. Now, however, he needs a chunk of equity to support the marketing and sales effort needed to penetrate the corporate marketplace, which tends to be characterized by long sales cycles. This was my first interview for The Funding Coach, and in fact, the very first time I interviewed Chuck, the audio and my frenetic speaking was so bad, it was an unviable minimum product. So despite some rookie issues, I'll call them, I think you should enjoy the interview. Chuck Donnelly of Rockstep Solutions, welcome to The Funding Coach. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Well, so Chuck, you and I have known each other for some time now, but for the audience, can you give just a little bit of background on yourself and how Rockstep Solutions got started? Sure. Yeah. Excited uh, to uh, have the conversation about this. My degree is in computer science. So I graduated from uh, San Francisco State University way back before uh, I even want to talk about it how long ago it was, but back in uh, the 80s. Long time ago, yeah. <laughs> From there, I, I moved over to uh, UC Berkeley and um, joined a group called the Space Astrophysics Group there at UC Berkeley. And so while I was at UC Berkeley, I got into um, a number of really, really cool projects around computer science, uh, including uh, space, uh, working on the space shuttle, working on space flight systems, software that actually, uh, you know, ran in space, controlling instrumentation in space, um, really, really cool software that actually ran right on computer systems that we designed. I also worked um, on uh, uh, radio astronomy projects and the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. So can you fast forward to your time here in Maine? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So, but with that background in the space astrophysics group, I decided that I wanted to move to Maine, and the only way to actually make that really work and still have a science career uh, was to try to figure out how to uh, get into the Jackson Laboratory. So I took classes in molecular biology, uh, cellular signal transduction, uh, molecular genetics, so all of that kind of stuff to help me get into the Jackson Laboratory. And I was hired on, and I became uh, the director of computational sciences at Jax. And when I started there, it was just me in that group. And I grew that group to a group of about 20 people that included statisticians, uh, computer scientists, um, biologists, all working together in a collaborative team to 
basically use computers to solve massive scientific problems. So so you went to Jackson Labs and you basically did a little bit of a startup inside Jackson Labs, which in turn is one of the largest sources of genetically engineered mice for scientific experiments in the world, tucked away in Bar Harbor, Maine. Yes, exactly. And, um, and, and that's right. Yeah, it was, a, it was kind of like doing a startup. They hadn't had a group like this before. And they needed some, some software, some people that understood technology and science. And that was really the bridge that I provided. And um, so I grew that group and managed to get funding from the National Institutes of Health to develop informatics systems, bioinformatics systems, and worked in all kinds of really cool research areas, including cancer genomics and general lab informatics and just all kinds of disease areas, mostly as a director leading the group. Some on my in my early days, they are actually doing some of the software development and the algorithm development. So that's my background that got me to where, you know, where I had the background to start Rockstep Solutions. So in around 2013 or so, I began to be concerned that NIH's, the National Institutes of Health, their priorities were changing a lot. And that getting funding for these kinds of informatics problems were going to get more difficult. So I went to NIH and I talked to them about some of the ideas that that um, I had with some of my uh, co-founders in Rockstep to basically develop a transformative informatics system for biomedical research. And by transformative, I mean there is a whole new technology wave coming and that wave is mobile devices that wave is artificial intelligence that wave is iot systems machine learning the cloud all of that technology was really starting to take off yet hadn't really been adopted in the biomedical field uh, for a number of reasons a lot of those have to do with they just they move slowly in biomedicine because of the regulatory compliance and things like that so the National Institutes of Health was very interested in funding a company, a small company, to actually get started in this space and start to really break some ground in the innovation uh, that was going to be needed to really uh, leverage these technologies. So we applied for a grant from the National Institutes of Health, an innovation award, and we got that award. And left Jackson Laboratory in 2014, and here I am. So you got started with uh, something called the SBIR, uh, mm -hmm. a, a kind of federal grant. And what other kinds of funding did you tap in order to take the company as far as it's gotten? We've done very well with the SBIR. That's the Small Business Innovation Research Award. We got a small award of $225,000 to kind of do some prototyping and test our ideas. Then we um, applied again and we got a $1.5 million award from them in order to really build out the systems and make them actually commercializable. I find that really interesting just because those sizes are equivalent in the, uh, in the equity world of a seed funding Absolutely. Yeah. So that's actually been um, made it in a way it was really great. We have the seed funding and that'll I'll talk about that a little bit of how 
that has made it a little bit confusing in terms of what we're trying to get next. Is it seed funding or is it Series A? We also got some financing from the Maine Technology Institute. We got a $200,000 development loan from them. And then we've also brought in a little under $200,000 in a convertible note, which is really those other funds really help us run a business because the SBIR awards themselves are really focused on the project. But to run a business, you have to have other sources of funding to you know, basically do your marketing and all of that kind of thing. So MTI, we got the development loan for $200,000. We also got about another $100,000 in uh, grant money from MTI. So we've done pretty well in terms of that initial funding. That's great. So all told, about $2 million so far. Now, when we first got together the first time I tried to interview you about three months ago kind of reminds me of my uh, favorite quote by uh, Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, who says, if you're not embarrassed by your first release, you've waited too long. So so three months has passed. Can you take us back to that point? You were, uh, as I recall, in the middle or maybe early stages of an equity fundraising and thinking about a pivot. So what were the challenges back then? Yeah, so the challenges really um, had to do with the fact that we have already had $2 million of financing um, and we have a product, uh, products in the market. And what we're building is really an enterprise solution. So we, we decided to try to get financing from angel groups and we need more than uh, 500,000 or 200,000. We really need, uh, you know, upwards of about $2 million to really go forward. And that's a lot of money for raising in an angel round. And we got into this situation where, as you pointed out, we're, are we series seed? Are we series A? You know, where, what are we trying to raise here? And because we already had the $2 million to get to where we are now. So that challenge, uh, we talked to a lot of angel groups, and I think that we ran into a lot of challenges in the fact that we're enterprise software. We already have a product in the market. We're not just a, uh, you know, a small team with an idea, a prototype, and a hockey stick, if you will. We're actually a functioning company with a proven product moving into an enterprise market, and that's a much more complicated uh, story to tell. Because we're, then you're really getting into what's the competition in that market. And the biomedical research market itself is a very complicated market with lots of players in there, some big players. And we're really doing a new technology play in that market. And it was a really hard story for us to tell to the angel investors. And I think we generated a lot of interest, but we had a really hard time getting somebody to take the lead. Chuck, as I recall as well, you were in this transition of having proven the product with the early research institutions, but you realized those folks weren't going to be paying going forward, and you had to switch to the next phase, which you'd already planned for the pharma companies. And as I recall, you were just starting to bring on a very experienced sales guy with experience in the pharma business. Right. Yeah. So that's the pivot you were talking about. And, you know, actually, I I don't like to use the word pivot because sometimes pivot makes it sound like you were doing the wrong thing and now you're pivoting. We were actually 
always it had always been in our plans to start out with a segment A was going to be small academic research labs. We did that. We proved that out. Segment B was going to be the larger research labs. We've actually worked very closely with a Nobel laureates lab at UCSF, and it's a gigantic lab where they have you know multiple sites and you know over 50 people working in the product every single day. And now the next step, segment C, if you will, is the biopharma. So not so much as pivot, but moving up market. And that's the challenge is, is sort of crossing that chasm from the, the market that we're in in academia to this new biopharma market where you really need to, you know, you're working in industry. It's a slightly different thing that they need. They, we don't have the background, the proof of that market yet. Um, yet we know that the product is usable in that market. We're starting to get some interest there. So that was the real challenge there. And to convince the angel investor community that, yeah, we, we segment A, we're done with. Segment B, we've nailed. Segment C, we're moving right into it. And, you know, hearing from a lot of the investors that they would like to see proof in segment C. However, we need money to make that proof happen. We did hire a sales guy and that's been great. And we're starting to make some uh, lots and lots of, of interest traction, but we need the marketing money to attend conferences. And, you know, we really need to do a big splash. We really need to get a significant amount of money to really push into that market really quickly. I hate to have to cut off the interview at this point, but Rockstep Solutions is in the middle of doing a fundraising, an equity fundraising from accredited investors. And according to the rule set out by the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, there are limits on what such an entrepreneur can say in the public. And of course, doing a podcast that's broadcast on iTunes is a very public forum. And so we have a full version of the interview in which I go into a lot more detail with Chuck about the fundraising issues on our closed members-only, entrepreneurs-only podcast. The good news is that if you're an entrepreneur, you can become a free member and access that members-only podcast and listen to the rest of the discussion about all the issues that Chuck is going through. To do that, just head over to fourcolorsofmoney.com. That's F-O-U-R, colorsofmoney.com. And you should be able to join this free membership with just a few clicks. At the nav bar at the top, it says membership. Click on that and uh, you'll be on uh, before too long. We will need to be able to make sure that you're an entrepreneur and you have to promise that you're not looking to invest in order to create this safe haven for entrepreneurs to share their funding challenges without worrying about SEC general solicitation rules. And if you're not an entrepreneur or would-be entrepreneur, well, I'm sorry, but my first priority is helping entrepreneurs. In the next show, I am going to be sharing general analysis inspired by my interview with Rockstep Solutions. And I'll be making sure that I don't cross those boundaries that the SEC uh, pays attention to. So you'll be able to infer a bit from that discussion what the challenges are that Rockstep is going through and how they apply to entrepreneurs in general 
which is probably what you're most interested in anyways. In either case, I hope to chat with you again soon here on The Funding Coach.